Praise the Lord. All right, are you here today? Yes. Your, not just your body, your mind, your spirit, your soul, everybody, every part of you is here today? All right, that's good. Praise the Lord. Now, um, I want to start by saying um, it's a pleasure to be here again. Thank you so much uh, for the leadership of the church to invite us back. Um, um, Vineyard feels, Vineyard, sorry, feels like our home. It feels like our home church. And every time I come here, I feel at home. I feel the worship just, you know, gets my heart raising again. And what a great thing it is to be in the house of God. Uh, my wife sends her greetings. She's uh, at home in our home church, uh, taking care of business over there. And she sent me out here to take care of business out here as well. <laughs> so that's great too. I hope you're missing Chris. Nobody missing him here? Because when I go away from our church and get back, they tell me that nobody misses me. And, um, and they even tell me the church grew when I went away. So you, you can understand what that's all about. All right. Well, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us all. Uh, that's what I like to do. I like to pray before I take time to look at his word. So, Father, we thank you this uh, morning for another opportunity to come before your presence and to come into a relationship with you and to understand and to receive your word. We thank you because you have a way of speaking to us in the way that we alone can understand. So I pray that you'll speak to each and every one of us today. As I break this bread of life, I ask you to cause it to be simple and accurate. I pray it will be clear and precise, and I pray, Lord, that your word will be profitable, uplifting, and anointed to meet the needs of your people. And Father, we will give you all the glory and all the praise for what you will do here at the end of this service. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers, since we have prayed in Jesus' name. And God's people said... Amen. Okay. Well, let's open our Bibles. Oh, wait. I don't know whether you have a Bible. If you have a Bible, open your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 37. And um, I'm going to be talking to you today on the topic, partnering with God for revival. Let me just move this away so I don't knock it over. I want to talk to you about part partnering with God for revival. Uh, before Pastor Chris went away, he asked me to speak on the topic of revival. And this is the scripture that I felt laid on my heart to share with you this morning. It's a bit of a long passage, but let's go through it. I'm reading from the NLT. Uh, verse 1 says, The Lord took hold of me. This is Ezekiel speaking. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley full of bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, you alone know the answer to that. I, I like this guy because um, when he didn't know the answer to the question, he didn't fib or try and come up with something or try and sound spiritual. He said, Lord, you know. It's a way of saying, I'm with you on this. Whatever your opinion is, God, that's my opinion on this situation. <laughs> then he said to me, speak, the, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. And I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin, and I will breathe into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse seven. 
So I spoke this message just as he told me. I like that, that's obedience. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then, as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. You know, sometimes the miracle that we want doesn't happen at once. It happens gradually. Sometimes it happens suddenly, but sometimes it takes some time. Verse 9. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. My uh, New King James says, an exceedingly great army. I said to you earlier on that before Pastor Chris went away, he said to ask me to speak on the topic or to bring a word on revival, which actually surprised me because um, I'm no expert on revival. And secondly, I have not written a bestseller on revival <laughs> yet. But I am blessed to have lived through two significant revivals. The first one took place a number of years ago when I was still in the university campus studying to be a mechanical engineer. See God's uh, sense of humor. <laughs> but we were studying and um, something happened in our campuses that all of us began to have a real desire to see God move more powerfully in our midst than at any other time before. And that was a strange thing because we were on a campus where what reigned was our intellectualism. It wasn't, we weren't thinking about God. But somehow, there were a group of people that were interceding and praying and asking God to minister and to begin to touch the hearts of his people. And a revival broke out in probably about six or seven university campuses all across Nigeria. That's where I studied in those days. And hundreds, maybe even thousands of people on the campuses over a period of five years got saved. Hundreds got healed, got delivered from bondages and from pains and from sicknesses and disease. And what God did that was most powerful was that most people, or many people I would say, got filled with the Spirit and we experienced Pentecost like never before on the campuses. These were intellectual people who were studying to be engineers, studying to be accountants, and studying to be, you know, at the top of their profession, all falling before God because a revival hit that particular campus, set of campuses that we're in. I, I remember many, many of those times. I would drive 250 miles because we had a bus. Our Christian Union on campus had a bus, and I was the driver of the bus at the time. Uh, and we would drive 250 to 300 miles to other campuses to meet up with Christians from other campuses because God was doing something awesome. I'd forget my studies. Actually, I did very poorly sometimes. 
because I forgot my studies and we went out and we would spend time together just praying and fasting and calling on God and asking God to touch our nation because we're in a very dire situation. The military government was ruling and all kinds of horrible things were happening in those days. And by the way, let me say this, not only were the students on campus getting saved, but our lecturers were getting saved. In fact, if you go around the world now, some of the lecturers that got saved have some of the largest churches around the world. Some of you may know there's a particular church called Deeper Life Christian Ministry. One of my lecturers was the pastor of that church, is still the pastor of that church 30 years later. And, and if you go around the world, the Redeemed Church of God is one of the largest uh, organizations, or Christian organizations across the globe. My lecturer was one of my lecturers that's pastor, that, that's the bishop over that particular organization. We saw a revival like never before. Hallelujah. And that's the first. The second revival was a smaller one, but it took place in our church just about six years ago. And that's another revival that God gave me an opportunity to experience. We got into pride as a church. We got inward focus. Things were happening and we thought it was us that was doing it. And we got self-absorbed and we got egotistic. There was a critical spirit moving and, and what I found out was many of our members, we had, we, lost, we had lost our passion and lost our enthusiasm. And we're going through the motions. We were doing church. But we had lost the central reason why we came together. And guess what? As a result of that, there was strife. There was, there was, uh, there was in, infighting. And, and the worst kind of hypocrisy was taking place right under our nose. And yet God stepped in. And he revived us and he transformed us as a church. Today, our church is nothing like it used to be just six or seven years ago because God stepped in sovereignly, touched our hearts. But let me say this, he did it because there were people that were praying. There were people that were saying, God, this is not how your church should go out. This is not the way things should be and do something about it. And we started to see God move in a very powerful way. And by the way, just in case you didn't know, I can give you some definitions for the word revival or revive. It means to bring something unconscious back to life. When as, a, when as Christians, we've become sleepy or start to slumber or we, we get into a state of unconsciousness, then revival takes place when God brings us back to life again. And when God impl imputes, imputes passion into us once again. The word revival means to awaken a person's interest in something that they've forgotten. It means to, to, to return someone to consciousness from a state of inactivity. That's what revival means. So when it became clear that God was staring on the heart of the leadership of this church, that some of us should come and bring a word on revival, three distinct thoughts came to me. Now, the first thought that came to me as soon as uh, Chris said, please speak on revival, is that when God starts to speak to leaders about revival, it is usually an indication that too many of the saints are fast asleep. Now, I'm not, I'm not, not everybody, some are alive, some are excited, some are still passionate for God, but when God starts to speak to a church or when God starts to speak to a nation about revival, it is often because the saints, the people of God, are fast asleep. And God wants to wake us out of that slumber. It's often because we are unconscious, spiritually speaking. 
It's often because we are spiritually inactive. Maybe, maybe there's less of the kind of prayer atmosphere that God wants to happen in our churches. We've gotten comfortable, and most often we've gotten careless as well. And by the way, that's what happened to some of the churches in Asia that Jesus spoke to in the book of Revelations. They had been doing well, and then suddenly they got comfortable, and they got lukewarm, and they lost their first love, and their, their heartbeat for God was lost as well. So I don't need a crystal ball to let me know that when God starts to speak to a leadership about revival, it is because too many people in the body of Christ are asleep. The next thought that came to my mind when uh, Chris asked me to speak on revival is that if God is tugging at the heart of leaders about revival, that tells me that Satan is gaining too much ground while the church is asleep. Our enemy, the devil, is gaining too much ground while the church is snoozing. While we're playing church and maybe trying to win the rat race. How many of you know that it's no good to win the rat race? You just become a good rat. (laughs) But while we're doing all of that, Satan is gaining ground. The church is losing ground. Some years ago, I heard somebody make a comment, an historian. He said we're in a post-Christian era. Do you know what that means? That means Christianity is not relevant anymore. We're post-Christian. That's what he said. And and that hurt my heart because I realized that just 100 years ago, just 200 years ago, around here, nobody would say post-Christian. We would say we were in the Christian era. Because the, the church of the living God was at the helm of affairs. We were do, I'm not talking about political affairs. I'm talking about we were making decisions. We were helping people. We were changing lives. We were transforming situations. But now, people say we are in a post-Christian era. That means we're not relevant. But let me say today, my, 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 and this is my prayer today, that it's time to take back what we've lost. I said it's time to take back what we've lost. Yes, I know if I was in our church, somebody would say amen, but I don't, that's okay if you don't say amen here. Just say something on the inside and let God hear it, okay? But it's time to take back what we've lost. Amen. Thank you. The third thing, <laughs> yeah, the third thing that came to my heart after Pastor Chris spoke to me was that when God starts to speak to leaders about revival, and this is the most important thing, that is an indication that he plans to turn things around. He plans to turn things around. It's an indication that if we will trust him and if we will cooperate with him, then he will turn things around. He will make something happen. He will help to bring something to pass in our lives and in our churches and in our communities that will turn things around if we will partner with him, if we will become a part of his team, if we will make the necessary sacrifices for God to do that. And that's something to be excited about. Because you see, when we cooperate with God like Ezekiel did in the scripture that I just read to you, there is no challenge in our lives that God cannot turn around. I said there's no challenge. There's no challenge in my marriage that God cannot turn around. There's no challenge in our church that God cannot turn around. When we start to cooperate with God, when we start to trust in him, when we start to listen to what he has to say and we repeat what he has to say, just as he told Ezekiel to do here, then we will see God move in a powerful way in our lives once again. We will see God revive us once again. That's what he did to Ezekiel. Ezekiel Ezekiel cooperated with him, and he did something awesome in his life. You know why? Because we serve a God of possibilities. 
We serve a God who is not limited by anything around us. We serve an all-powerful God. We serve a God who says he neither sleeps nor slumbers. We serve an all-sufficient God. He calls himself El Shaddai, which is the which is the many-breasted one, the all-sufficient one, the God who is more than enough. Hallelujah. That's what he calls himself. And he's the one who gives life to dry bones. One day, I, 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 could, I could see God beating his chest and saying to Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is no. There's nothing too hard for him. God wanted to restore life to a dead and dried-out army in the book of Ezekiel. The Bible says that there were dry bones in that valley. And dry bones represents where life once was. It represents a force that was to be reckoned with, but is no longer available to, to be reckoned with. It, it rep, dry bones tells us that at one time, the people who had those bones fought many battles and won, and had many victories. It tells me that the people who, who those bones belonged to were at one time respected and at one time they were decorated because of their, their valiance or their, their valiant life. But for some reason, they had died. They had gone to sleep. And to be honest with you, as I speak to you about this, I know what it likes. I know what it feels like. Even in my life as a minister, there are times when I'm right down there, and I feel like I'm sleeping. I feel like there's no point going any further. You know, we're up today and maybe a bit down tomorrow, and then we'll be up and we're a bit down. And, and, and that's life. But, hey, God gets to a place where he says, you know what, you can't stay down anymore. It's time to come back up again where God wants us to be. So God asked that question, can these bones Live. And maybe that may not be the question God is asking you today. Maybe the question that God is asking us in this place today is, can your marriage be whole again? Maybe the question is, can your health be restored again? Maybe that's the question God is asking you today. Can your children come back to God again? Maybe that's the question God is asking someone here today, and he wants you to answer that question. But don't be quick to answer it. Let's learn a lesson from Ezekiel. Ezekiel said, I don't trust my own opinion, so I'm going to go with what you say on this, God. Whatever you say on this is what I'm going to say on this. Whatever you say on this is what I'm going to believe on this situation. Because if I were to look at it in my own strength and in my own ability, I would say nothing can, nothing can change. The bones are dry. They're dead. They don't, even, they don't have flesh on them anymore. They don't have sinew on them anymore. They don't, they don't have blood in them anymore. They don't have life in them anymore. There's no way anything can go right here. But he said, Lord, you know. And that's what I want us to do today. I want us to say, Lord, you know what's going on in my life. But you also know that I can be revived. You also know that things can change in my life. You also know that things that were dead can come back to life again. I'd like to leave you with three things that I've observed about revival and what it makes, what it takes to break out on our lives when we desire that. Uh, don't forget, I've already said that the fact that God has put it on the heart of the leadership of this church, that some people should bring a word on revival, does tell me that God wants to do some transformations in this church. He wants to revive some people in this place. 
He wants to, maybe he wants to revive people. Maybe he wants to revive the whole church. Maybe he wants to revive this community. I don't know, but it tells me God has a plan up his sleeve, and he's getting us involved in that plan that he has. Three things I want to leave with you today about revival. Number one, although God is the author of revival, he always chooses people to partner with. Although God is the author, that's what I've, I discovered. He, he, he never brings a revival in a place where they don't want it. If there's no hunger, if there's no desire, if, if we don't want to be revived, if we just want to stay in our little corners and enjoy our little church and just do what we want, what we're always done, if we don't want that, he wouldn't force it on us. But if we desire to see God move again, if we desire to see the glory of the, of the, of, of the former house be restored again to this house, then if that's the desire of our heart, and if we're asking God about it and there's a yearning in our heart about it, then I can let you know very clearly today that you will see God move in a powerful way in your life. God is not, is, is, sorry, God is the author of revival, but he always chooses people to partner with. He chose Ezekiel here. He could have just gone to the Valley of Dry Bones and raised them all up, but he chose Ezekiel. He said, I want you to see, I want you to be a part of this. There's, I want you to be a part of this process. In fact, I'm not going to do it myself. I'm going to tell you to get involved and you get it done. Ezekiel said, what am I supposed to do? Prophesy. Just listen to what I have to say and speak what I have to say. And as long as you speak exactly what you've heard me say, I will revive these bones. And maybe that's what God is going to do in this place as the leadership of this church begin to hear from God and bring what they've heard from God and declare it into this house. Those situations in the lives of his people that need revival are going to get revived. Hallelujah. Because God will be speaking prophetically through his people. Ezekiel 22 verse 30 says that God sought for a man to make a wall and to stand in the gap before the people so that he wouldn't destroy the land. And the Bible says in, in Ezekiel that he found none. But you know what? I believe that in this house, he will find many people. He will find intercessors here. He will find people who have a heart for God, who have a heart for the things of God, who want to see the glory of, the, of this house restored, who want to see God take us to a higher level than we've ever been before. And they're sitting down right now, looking at me right now in this place. God is touching the hearts of some people right now as I'm speaking to you. God is dealing with some people. He's saying, I, I, you know you're, you're meant to be a part of that army. You know you're meant to be a part of, you're meant to be like Ezekiel, that you will go and hear what God says and declare it to God's people. And maybe you're here right now and you think it's not, you know, this, you, you, you may feel as perplexed as, as Ezekiel felt here. But let me say this, even though Ezekiel may have been perplexed, he knew that when God asked a question, he's not just... He's not just trying to test us. He knows exactly what he plans to do. So, although God is the author of revival, in other words, we can't make revival happen by ourselves. We, we can't say, let's, let's, let's fast for 60 days and let's hope that revival will come. No, 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 that's not how it works. What it works is God starts to touch some people's heart. God starts to show some people the state of his church. God starts to show some people the state of the people around or the state of the community or the state of the nation. And then he says, he says what do you think about that? And those people begin to get a heart, a, a desire from God to see things change. And then they go to God and start to pray and start to ask him for what he wants us to do. And God himself gives us the strategy of what needs to happen. All right? I, I know I've, I've been around and I've seen churches that suddenly thought, oh, you know, that church over there declared 30 days of fasting and revival broke out. So let's do it. But nothing happened. 
All right? So we're going to have to ask God for strategy. Lord, how should we do it in this church? How should we do it in our home? How should we do it in our community? What should we do? What should we say? And as God begins to show us what we need to do and what we need to say, and we begin to do it and say it, we will see results. Are you that man or that woman that God is looking for today? Are you that prophetic voice? Are you that intercessor in this place? Are you that person with a burden? You've always sort of sat in the back and maybe you really had a burden about how things are going, but you've not done anything about it. Well, let me say this. God is on the move. Move with him. I said God is on the move. Move with him. Stop hiding. Stop making excuses. Get out of your comfort zone. Start calling meetings together for people to pray and seek the face of God and ask God to turn and to change things around in our community, in our homes, in our churches. Start to do what God has put on your heart to do and watch God bring revival to this church and to this, probably this city and maybe even this nation because you decided to do something about it. So number one, even though God is the author of revival, he always chooses partners to work with. And that's why the title of this is Partnering with God for Revival. Second thing I've learned about revival is that revival does not happen until God's people are fed up of losing. Until God's people are just tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Until God's people are, 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 are tired of, of, of being defeated and enslaved and living below our potential. Revival doesn't come until the church can see that we're, we're not where we're supposed to be. Uh, you know, that, that, that's what happened in the book of Revelation when God began to speak to the churches. He said, you know, you think you're rich, you think you're wealthy, you think you have everything going for you, but you're poor, you're miserable, you're sick. I, I need you to wake up and see, and see the, what did I say, the coffee from the beans? Is that what I say? Or the beans from the coffee, what's it? What's it, the beans from the coffee? Smell the what? Smell the coffee, thank you. You know. English is my second language, by the way. <laughs> he said. <laughs> no, no, no. But the point I'm making is let's wake up because God is about to do something and he wants people that would work with him, that would cooperate with him. So revival doesn't happen until God's people are fed up of losing and being defeated. And when we start to cry out to God for revival, then it would happen. My point is this. Yes, God may be putting it on the heart of the leadership that he wants to bring revival to the church or to the nation or even to the people, to individuals, to homes, whatever it is he's putting on their heart, that may be happening. But if we don't get involved, if we don't start to cry out to God and ask him for it, if we don't start to have a desire, a deep desire for revival in our own personal life so that we are where we are supposed to be, then it will not happen. One of the scriptures that God used to help us to really understand this was a scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I'm sure many of you would know that scripture. God says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. God said he'll do that. But it's going to take his people calling on him, humbling themselves and praying and seeking his face. And those people who are called to do that are right here, right now. And my challenge to you is it's time to wake up. Wake up, amen? amen? Yes. So first thing I wanted to leave with you is that God is the author of revival, but he always chooses people to partner with. Second thing is that even though uh, revival, sorry, that right, revival doesn't happen until God's people are free, are, are fed up, I should say, of losing. And when they start to cry out to him, that's when revival starts. 
The third and last thing I want to say uh, quickly here is that God will send revival to his people and to his church when we start to hear what he is saying to us and we start to declare it openly into the atmosphere. In other words, it's good to pray silently. It's good to uh, take some time to say what we want to say under our breath. But every once in a while, we've got to do what God told Ezekiel to do. Hear the word of the Lord and declare it. Prophesy what God says. Speak into the atmosphere so that the, the princes of the air can hear what the people of God are declaring, which they have received from God, so that you can hear what you are saying, so that you can believe what you're saying. God is going to start to declare some things over this house. Maybe he's going to ask some people to start repenting. And, and the, the leadership and the people that are teaching from the front have to declare that into the atmosphere. That God is calling us to repentance if, if, if that's where, what God is saying to us. Maybe God will start to say to some of us that it's time to start to love God more and to get out of our comfort zone and to grow in our love for God. But that has to be declared into the atmosphere so that the people of God can hear it. For some of us, God will be saying that we should trust him more. We should not lean on our own understanding, but lean on him. And that we should stop living individualistic lives. Maybe that's what God will say to some people. And maybe you're here right now and God is saying that to you. Well, I'm saying that when we start to declare that, when we start to declare what God is saying to us as a church and as a people, and we start to declare it from the rooftops, then we will start to see revival take place in our lives and in our home and in our churches and wherever we need God to move. You see, I don't know what you're experiencing individually. I don't know what you're experiencing as a church. Um, I'm not privy to that. But I sense that God wants to revive some dry bones in this house. I believe God wants to revive some, 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 some cold marriages, some spiritual lives that are not where it's supposed to be. I believe God wants to revive some dreams. Some people, he gave you some dreams and you've lost the dreams. He wants to revive that. There's some of us who've got gifts that he has bestowed upon us that we're not using. He wants to begin to revive that. And I don't know the process that he's going to take. I think it's going to take us some time as, as, as Pastor Chris and, and the leadership come back and start to declare what God is saying. I actually think part of the reason why God took Chris away for a while is just to really get established in his heart what needs to happen in the next phase of, of what he wants to do in this house. And I want to say for, for someone here who needs to hear this very clearly that God has increase on his mind. I'll say that again. God uh, has increase on his mind. He's, he's got, he's, God is getting ready to surprise someone in this house. Maybe the whole church, I don't know, but he's getting ready to surprise. He, he's getting ready to shake us up. He's, go, he's going to even rock the boat. You will say I said it in a few months' time. God is going to rock the boat because it's probably getting a little bit too comfy, you know. Everything is reverse. Everything's doing, everything's happening the way it's meant to happen, but God is going to start to rock the boats, and that's a prophecy. I, I speak it by faith right now. God is going to start to rock the boats in this house, God is going to start to do some things uh, to, to allow some things to fall by the wayside, wayside. Some things are going to fall by the wayside while other things are going to thrive. But an atmosphere of intercession is also going to come over this house. I said an atmosphere of intercession is coming over this house where you will just feel like waking up in the morning or waking up in the midnight and just saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And you'll put on your heart a prayer, a thought, 
something to pray about, and you will find yourself agonizing in the presence of God and praying. You know, I talked to you the last time I came here on the secret place. Remember that? Yes. It's time to take that up and begin to utilize it as God begins to touch each heart and gets us to start to do something together. And as all of us that God is touching our hearts start doing what we're supposed to do, we're going to watch God move in a very powerful way in this, in this house. So my point today is this, that God is calling more people in the house to join him, to cooperate with him, to trust him as you step into this new phase that God is taking you into as individuals and as a church, maybe even as a community beyond this church. God is calling some people to get it up and to move into intercession and to get to begin to pray. Maybe some of God will ask some of you to even forgo food for a season and begin to fast and pray and push back the kingdom of darkness and make sacrifices for the kingdom to advance. If that's you, if you sense that this is what God is, is doing in your heart, and as I was speaking, something was burning on the inside of you, you knew that was about you, then I'd like you at the end of this meeting to find your way to the front here to the, to the ministry team and just share what's on your heart with them. Let them pray with you. Lord, I pray that every member of this church would step into the plan that you have for them. Position everyone in the right place to hear your voice, to seek your face and to see what you see. So that just as Ezekiel was able to pull the will of God into that valley of dry bones and bring about life to those dry bones, we will see the dry bones in this community in individual lives, in homes, in churches, all across this nation, come back to life again. Thank you, Father, because your word tells us that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. Let that be the portion of everyone here today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to call the worship team to come up, please. And as we take... One last worship song again. If you don't mind taking the song we sang at the end, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. I just want you to bow your hearts and just see whether God is speaking to you today. And, and if God is not speaking to you, that's okay. You can pray for those who God is speaking to because we all have a part to play. Some of us have a part to play to pray more than others do. Some of us, our part is to go out and bring the lost souls in. But we all have a part to play. But if for whatever reason, God is speaking to you this morning specifically about being an intercessory team, a, a continuing intercessory team for what's going on in this place and what God wants to do. And if some of you here want to join that and be a part of that, then please let the leadership know so that we can get this thing moving. And what God wants to do in this house, he can complete it. Amen? amen. Yeah, I said amen. amen. Right, God bless you. Thank you very much. <laughs>